And welcome to the 97th Annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm joined by pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. Uh, it It's an interesting few days here, and apparently the whole next week when our high isn't even going to get above zero, so that's fun. Um, how uh, How's the weather in Arizona? It's good. Um, you know, last week... Haven't uh, had to wear a coat the entire last week, so it was pretty. It was pretty good. Um, got in my car this afternoon after work and had to flip the AC on. It was a little warm in there, so. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be timely. But um, were you watching a little thing uh, called the Super Bowl last night? Yes. Yep. Uh, had a Super Bowl party with uh, my family out here. Went actually only had to drive about six blocks, but. On my way home, I think everyone went to a Super Bowl party last night because right after the game, I took off, went home, and there were just cars everywhere. So coming off the highway, coming on the highway. So yeah, that uh, there. Here's the thing: the Super Bowl thing is, I don't know. Even people who don't like football seem to like get involved with it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I know, I know. The commercials, the commercials were, I only remember seeing like maybe two commercials that I thought were actually kind of funny, but, uh, the, the food, I love the food behind it. I did a lot of cooking for our little house, uh, Super Bowl party. What, uh, how about you? Did you have anything delicious? Oh yeah. We had a, we had a ton of food. We had, we had obviously wings, uh, sandwiches, you know, a big spread. So it was good. Everyone brought food. And oh hell one of those yeah! Deals. Veggie pizza. Ooh, I love that. Well, we had something. So I made uh, buffalo chicken dip, which is really mm. good. I made wontons, cream cheese, and the crab ones. I made uh, fried pickles, and what am I missing? Oh, I made a uh, green tea Swiss roll. I don't know if you've ever had that before. That was pretty good. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. So do you no. do you remember like a giant Swiss roll? Yeah, I know what a Swiss roll is. Yeah, it's it's basically that, but it's it's I think since it's like Japanese, it's like it's very good, but and it's very light. It's like a very light dessert, so mm. uh, it's good. But Bianca, I know you'll be a little jealous. She uh she got some Casey's pizza as well, which oh, is good you for bastards. Yeah, it's good for any occasion. It is, and it's good the next day too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. We'll be even better the next day. Actually, <laughs> I don't know if she ate finished the rest of it today or not, but uh, but yeah, I'm hoping maybe I can snag a piece of that. Now, <clears throat> I wanted to uh, talk about something else here real quick. The uh, so did you see my post about that video that's surfacing from uh, M- MTG uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene about it's her rubbing the crotch. Of the Trump, like, cardboard cutout? Yes, I only saw the post. I didn't actually see the video. What is wrong with that woman? I don't know. I mean, every single day something new and even more fucking insane comes out about that woman. Like, honestly, if we redid the episode for next week, we could have a whole crop of new shit about her. It's, it's, it's I don't know. I can't explain it. Like... I, I understand that there were weird circumstances where there were a ton of people going for a seat that was finally open, but how did they let that slip through? It's just amazing. Well, I, I actually think this last weekend I saw, obviously, her, that Matt Gates guy. I've seen a lot of him, and uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the gun girl, too, 
What was her name? Obert. Yeah. Laura Bobert. It's it's funny. After you released that episode, I started seeing all three of them in the news recently. So uh, I don't think they're going anywhere. Yeah, definitely. The lead up to me writing that episode, I was I, I had heard a little bit about MTG, but not as much about the other two. But then while I was writing just new stuff about all three of them every single day. So uh, I've heard the second impeachment trial is supposed to take place this week. I don't know. Uh, how do you think that's going to go? I think it's going to go pretty much the same as the last one did. They're just going to present their evidence. There's going to be a vote, and everyone's already decided how they're going to vote. So I think, yeah. it's, I think it's all just kind of a posturing thing. Everyone yeah. knows how it's going to go. Yeah, I heard something like they need 17 of the conservative members to vote for it, to pass it or something. Um, so I don't really see that happening because their dedication to the parties more important to them than like the difference between right and wrong. So there's that. But uh, that's unsurprising. That's kind of what politicians do, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's the deal right now. If they voted against Trump, that would be the end of their political career in the Republican Party for the foreseeable future. I mean, they're not going to get real, even if even if they just got elected this past election cycle and they have another six years, they're not going to get reelected in six years. Their bid for president, if they have aspirations, isn't going to work out. They're not going to get out of the gate in the Republican uh, cycle for the primaries if they vote against Trump. So it's so popular right now with that party. And that is uh, that's a valid point, actually. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Oh, one one more quick thing before I get in uh, to this episode. I watched a documentary called there's it was the sequel to one called Sir No Face, which is this like crazy paranormal video this guy caught, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's like a full body apparition peeking in a door and it's called Sir No Face because you, you can't, it looks like he doesn't have a face, right? And the second yeah. one's kind of about him um, going on a tour and kind of playing his documentary all across the United States and meeting all these people. And it's kind of weird because it, it's basically people approaching him, telling him that they don't think that's a ghost. They think that's a gray alien that he caught. And then it okay. goes into all this like fucking alien shit and these strange people yeah. are visiting him and this and that. And uh, again, for the second time, uh, someone brings up that they're they think the world powers are going to fake an alien invasion. Um, OK, to like scare well, I got to as oh, sorry, I was about to say I got to hand it to that documentarian. I mean, he's getting two scoops. Yeah. Out of that yeah. fucking uh, picture. So that's nice for him. I bet I bet you I bet you you would actually like that one though. I bet you would. Yeah. Um I'm gonna it, check it out. Is it on YouTube or no, it's uh Prime. It was on Prime. Oh, okay. The gotcha. second one's called like No Face Something Another. I don't know. It, it it's not good. I would uh I'd recommend it. It's uh g- you're gonna be getting a lot weird, I will tell you that much. But uh anyway, right. sh- should we uh should we get into this week's episode? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, so last week we had kind of a, uh, I get a heavy topic, yep. although it's more of a circus sideshow. I would say it's a very heavy and um, relevant topic. So this week I wanted to get a little weird. Let us get kind of take a, like just start thinking about this. Uh, have you ever heard of something called sonic levitation? Yes, I have heard quite a bit on this. The the wonderful channel, History Channel, actually talks quite a bit about it in their Ancient Aliens. Do they? Situation, series, I, whatever they want to call it. I I probably have seen it, but I couldn't remember. We're going to be talking about it. We're going to be specifically focusing in on one man and then going through a whole bunch of math stuff that I don't understand in the slightest, but uh, we're going right. to try to sludge through it. <laughs> <laughs> There was a phenomena that was discovered way back in the 1940s by a man by the name of Dr. Jarl that would be that would come to be known as sonic levitation or acoustic levitation. I believe that's what they call it now. I just think sonic levitation sounds more badass. How do you feel yeah, about like, it? Like an 80s punk band. Hell yeah. Uh, it is the belief that you will be able to lift heavy objects 
via sound vibrations. Now, the interesting thing is that Dr. Jarl, as we will come to learn, discovered this technique through a group of Tibetan monks. Some theorize that it is possible that other ancient societies were able to harness the power and use it in the construction of several large objects, such as Stonehenge or the Great Pyramids of Giza. Now, I'm assuming... Like, the construction of those things is kind of where Ancient Aliens was kind of talking about it. Yes, exactly. With uh, the fact that there were no wheels back then in, you know, the Stone Age. So, kind of one of those situations where they're trying to theorize what may have been able to move. Like, how the ancient people were able to move these large stones. And then Sonic Levitation is one of those ideas. You know what, uh, not to get off topic here, but something that's a little relevant, that No Face documentary, right? They're talking yeah. about kind of like the nuclear history of America, or of the world, I should say. And mm-hmm. they talk about the Nazis. Remember the Daiklaka? used to be kind of our meme. Yeah. Um. So they were talking about that in there. And basically, they were saying that the Nazis had shot it down when they found it in Antarctica. Um, and then they tried to make their own or whatnot. And it, if I remember right, they were talking about the ship used some sort of vibrating force to move. Um, have you ever heard that before? Yeah, I've heard that, and I've heard the spinning mercury. Yeah. So I've okay. heard there's a few different theories on how the thing actually worked. Hmm. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. But uh, should we get into the, the journey of Dr. Jarl? This is kind of fascinating, and I'll be kind of curious to hear your input on it. All right. The story begins with a Swedish doctor by the name of Dr. Jarl, who sometime in the 1930s was studying at Oxford. I assume this is England. Um, yes. Is that the one that you had to go past? No. So that was Cambridge. Cambridge. I always get them mixed up. I always yep. get them mixed up. God damn it. During his time here, he befriended a young Tibetan student, of which will become very important later on. Now, after a few years of being at Oxford, in 1939, Dr. Jarl would make a journey to Egypt while working for the English Scientific Society. I have no idea what the hell that is, but I'm assuming they're studying something or another. Um, I don't, would they have been interested in the mummies and that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it was 1939. It might have been a little bit before the creation of Egyptology, which it's known as now. But yeah, uh, the the British were all about stealing artifacts from other like <laughs> countries, like their colonial underlings. Yeah. They would go in and just grab any anything like they have the Rosetta Stone. They have all of this shit. They would just they would honestly just pack it up and ship it back to the homeland. Wow. OK. Um, well, yeah, they did that and they, it seemed like, remember when we were covering King Tut, wasn't there a lot of talk about, um, Tomb Raiders and shit like that? So now while he was in Egypt, he would be approached by a messenger sent by Dr. Jarl's old Tibetan friend requesting that he travel to Tibet where he would meet with the High Lama of the monastery. Now... I didn't fully understand the like ranks um, in like Buddhism. So mm. my understanding, you have the Dalai Lama, which is like the biggest dick of the Buddhist religion. And a high Lama is basically like the leader at a monastery. Had you ever heard that before? Well, I have. I have heard of obviously the Dalai Lama. I yeah. mean, everyone's heard of heard of him. But yeah, I, I assumed when you said high Lama of the monastery, it's probably... Something like a bishop or, a, you know, someone who's kind of in charge of an area. I it was they like in the notes they they referred to it as something else. But when I went through like the Wikipedia of like the Lama rankings, I guess they use the term high Lama a lot. So I assumed mm. that's what it was. Um, I don't I don't know. It's very interesting. I, so I guess there's. Different ranks of lamas. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that much about Buddhism. Uh, it's pretty groovy, though. I know that. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird 
how they choose the Dalai Lama. Like they, it's almost like they go and find a child because of the reincarnation thing. They have oh, to go yeah. and find who the old Dalai Lama or an old, like important, like a high Lama would be reincarnated into. So there's kind of like a search for a few years about like the kid that and the the high Lama or the Dalai Lama, like they usually end up giving like some clues, like where they might find them. So interesting. I didn't know that the uh, from the looks of it, they're on their I mean, what they have records for. I think it's like their 13th Dalai Lama or something like that right now. I think the current one is. Oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not exactly sure about that. Anyway. Dr. Yarl would take his Tibetan friend up on his offer, and after a long plane trip and traveling with yak caravans... Dr. The best way to travel. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I don't know if they're as like, noisy as they were in like Indiana Jones, but... Uh, yeah. And if you get and if you get hungry along the way, you got a snack right underneath you. So. Oh, yeah. You just, you just milk them? one up. Oh, I thought you were going to say milk them. Oh, no, God. No, I don't drink milk. No, cut them up. It's steaks. So after the long journey, Dr. Jarl would reach the monastery where his friend was at. Now, Dr. Jarl's friend had managed to reach a very high position within this particular monastery because of the Tibetan man's high standing within the monastery and his friendship with Dr. Jarl he decided to show Dr. Jarl some of the secret things that the monks at this particular temple were capable of, most of which no other foreigners had ever had a chance to observe before. So if here's where I kind of think it's weird. If they have this long-held secret, and it seems, I mean, again, we don't I don't know that much about Buddhism, but they seem to like really like traditions and handing down knowledge and things like that. So it's weird that they just decided, hey, let's get this British doctor and show him this cool shit that we can do. Don't you think? Yeah, well, from the sounds of that paragraph, it almost is like all these old, lonely, you know, Tibetan monks probably going to show them all their weird sex stuff, (laughs) all their weird porn and their butt plugs and shit. What if that's all it really was when he went there? (laughs) Just like dildos hanging everywhere, just whips and everything else. Yeah, I I don't know. It's just maybe maybe like the Tibet. We don't even know the Tibetan kid's name, but um, maybe he was more a lot more progressive. Than the rest of them. Well, I mean, like with showing outsiders like this oh, stuff. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Not like with whatever sex stuff they were doing there. <laughs> I was like, where the fuck are you going with this going? <laughs> no, no, right. I just mean like it's kind of like when a boomer leaves a job and oh. a younger person comes in, they bring a fresh set of ideas. Maybe that's what the the young Tibetan monk was, I guess. That's what I'm saying. And the boomer just shits all over the new ideas all the way up until he retires. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So here's the other thing. Uh, Don't most monks have to take a vow of celibacy, Phil? I don't know if it's silence or celibacy. Yeah. I don't know exactly. I'm not too read up on uh, on Buddhism, but I imagine it's they have to give up a lot of shit. Uh, I actually knew a kid who. Okay, what 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 was he? I he was from. <clears throat> from one of the the Asian countries, I think it might have been Vietnam, perhaps. But was he monk? No. Uh, oh. Was he? Or La- Laotian, maybe, or something like that. But okay. it was like a family tradition that once you get a certain age, you'd go spend X amount of time at a monastery, um, like a year or two. And yeah. he said he, he went over there and did that, and he said, like, it's so quiet. Like, it's so creepy in the middle of the night because there's nothing but candles, you know what I mean? And just creepy monks everywhere. And he says it's just in the middle of the night, it's so quiet and it's so creepy. Oh, yeah. I'd fucking imagine. I probably wouldn't last. It would be so weird coming from all of our modern things. Like, you don't realize when you try to sleep how much, like, just the electricity in the walls, any, like, kind of little white noise that's around you. When you go out, say you go out camping out in the wilderness and there's no sound, it's like that silence is deafening. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I don't like it. Now that I'm yeah. a city boy, I don't I don't really like it. 
Yeah, I need I need sirens and gunfire, and I need all that <laughs> shit to sleep. Anyway, back to the story here. So one day while staying at the monastery, Dr. Yall's friend decided to take him to a large meadow that was surrounded on one side by high cliffs. Now, on the side of one of these cliffs, Dr. Yarl noticed about 250 meters up the rock wall, there was a large cavity missing that he believed was just the entrance to a cave, which I think would be what anybody assumes. Now, Now, right in front of the big hole, there was a platform which looked like the monks had been building what he described as a little rock wall more like a platform, okay? So the peculiar thing was that the only way they could even physically get on that platform in front of the entrance to the cave was by dropping down via a rope from the top of it. So that's a strange thing there. Now, in the middle of the meadow, roughly about 250 meters from the cliff wall, there was a large polished slab of rock that had a bowl shape in the middle of it it was this is the doctor's estimates here it was about one meter in diameter and had a depth of about 15 centimeters that's just for the dip by the way just a little the dip part of it this is kind of i'm going to explain this as best as i can but are you kind of getting a mental image right now Yes, obviously human sacrifice. Yeah. That's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> You're going to cut Dr. Yarl's head off and it's going to fall right in the little bowl in the rock. <laughs> Why else would they show him all that shit? True. They can't let him go home now. True. Stone Cold's going to come out and do uh, do a stunner on him right there. Take his head off. Yeah. Now. <laughs> then all of a sudden, a block of stone was maneuvered into the bowl-shaped rock that was already laying on the ground, and it was so heavy it had to be moved via a yak oxen. This stone block was about one meter wide and a half a meter long. All right, now I'm going to, again, explain this as best as I can. This is going to get a little groovy here, Phil. The monks had set up 19 musical instruments within an arc of 90 degrees of the stone they had just moved into place. These musical instruments consisted of 13 drums and six trumpets. Okay. So, yeah, we were definitely right about these Tibetan monks getting their freak on. They're having a little party out there. (laughs) I figured you're going to say this is the Tibetan monk version of Slipknot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, so the trumpet now, it's not like the band school kid trumpet. It's like a... Well, you stand up and it kind of like sits on the ground. Um, it's that long. It's like a really long, I'm assuming, because I don't know if the length makes it a lot louder. I would assume that's why it's that lo- long. I don't know. Um, Probably but, changes the pitch of it, I would imagine. That's very true. That's uh, that's a good point. After all the monks were in place and the, so- the stone boulder had been set properly on top of the bowl-shaped object... Um, they would give the signal to start the concert. Now, this is very important. Essentially, my understanding of how they're describing this is they're setting the boulder over the bowl, but the bowl has like a little opening in it. And then Mm -hmm. with all the instruments pointing at it, I think in theory what they're going to, I mean, I'll tell you what happens in a minute here, but like the sound is directed at it and it's going into the little hole and it reflects it up. I think that okay. is what they're trying to get at with the the bowl-shaped stone and then the stone over top of it. Anyway, now uh, keep in mind, I can't confirm this for all of them, but there was at least one drum that didn't have like the leather top most drums have. It had a sheet metal top. So when he was hitting it, that was loud as shit. Can you imagine like a drum line where they all have sheet metal in their drums and they keep pounding them. Yeah. That'd be extremely fucking loud. Yeah. Yeah. Deafening. Uh, do you remember the, do you remember stomp? Sadly. Yeah. Yes. It's, I guess they hit a lot of instruments too, didn't they? Or hit a lot of metal shit. Well, a lot of trash can lids and a lot of, yeah, just a lot of debris. I remember 
lot of a lot of mop heads and broom heads and shit like that. <laughs> all right. So with all the instruments in place and they were all playing and essentially they're just making nothing more than a loud racket. Uh, all the instruments were playing together, but they didn't have any particular rhythm or beat. Okay. It just seemed like, I don't know. They're just kind of trying to make as much noise as they possibly can. Honestly, this is what he said. Like, this is like the worst con. This is like worse than our Catholic school, like singing concerts we used to have to do. It reminds me of when I was in fifth grade band, when I would have to travel to the public school and no one knew how to play their instruments. So everyone would just kind of like randomly play. Like I was one of the kids. I, I didn't actually like blow into the, I had a trumpet. I didn't actually blow into it. I just kind of pretended the music teacher knew that I wasn't really playing, but it, it's one of those deals where it's like, listen, if I play, I don't, I can't read music. I'm going to fuck this up. Like, yeah, I can't read music and I don't have the fucking keys memorized. So, <laughs> well, it sounds like you would have been perfect for this monk quartet here. Or oh, yeah. <laughs> Playing my fucking heart out. <laughs> now, they also, in addition to the instruments, they had monks that were singing and chanting prayers, which, according to Dr. Jarl, their singing and prayers started out really slow. And then they would kind of like slowly increase the tempo of the noise they were making uh, along with the other instruments. So the instruments are starting. I mean, it's loud, but it's not like mm -hmm. really loud. They're just slowly picking up the the pitch, I guess. Now, so for the first four minutes with all the racket, nothing happened. Not a single thing happened. The worst fucking concert you've ever been to here. Then the monks would start to increase the rate at which they were drumming. As the noise noise increased in speed, the big stone block started to rock back and forth. Then a few seconds later, it lifted into the air, heading in the direction of the stone platform in front of the cave entrance, which, keep in mind, is 250 meters in the air, and they are 250 meters out from the cliff wall itself. After about three minutes, after it had initially taken off into the air, it would gently descend onto the platform. Apparently, while the monks still had their rhythm going, they just continued to have the little oxen bring a new block out, and it shot it up onto the platform. And they did about five to six an hour. Okay, okay. so how are you feeling about this so far? Well, I mean, I hope they were all in a pretty decent labor union because they were working really hard <laughs> to make these fucking rocks go. Um, I mean, it's I've I've heard about this quite a few times in the past. And this particular story. It, not this particular story. No, mm. but I have heard it was God, it was it was also monks, but they were basically not it wasn't as organized as this. And it was just a couple of them playing these instruments to get these stones to move. Well, we're going to go into like the, the kind of the math and the possibility of making this, this actually happen. And I can tell you, uh, you would need it so fucking loud. It would probably make all these people's eardrums bleed. So mm -hmm. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. I guess, you know, a bunch of monks blowing drums and hitting the goddamn metal drums and the trumpets and singing and praying. Um, yeah, I don't know. They'd have to be so loud. And it doesn't well, really say how far away Dr. Yarl's standing, but it's like he can watch it all happening. The weird thing is, and it, you were saying it would have to be so loud to make it move. And that's just to get that rock to twitch, not yeah. even to lift up in the air like that. I mean... Obviously, it's a crazy thought to have sound that's directed from people playing instruments into this stone bowl and then up to get it to keep moving like that. But yeah. just to get it to twitch, yeah, I had imagined there'd have to be a tremendous amount of sound. The only thing I can think of is maybe like the cliff wall had like a perfect echo chamber in addition to the bowl that was in the stone on the meadow. But even then, I don't, I don't know. I still don't think we'll, we'll talk about it more later on, but it's just, or, a... or possibly they spiked his tea 
Ah, with a little hallucinogen. Oh, hold on. We'll we'll get into that, Phil. Don't you worry. Okay. Yeah. I I thought it might be going in that direction at some point, so I thought I might as well mention it. <laughs> now, apparently, uh, as kind of mentioned, Doctor Yarl was allegedly the first foreigner who had ever witnessed the Tibetan monks using this technique. Again, we can't validate literally any of this because it's 1939, 1940. So we're kind of just taking him at face value here. Um, after Dr. Yarl witnessed what the monks had done, he would make two short films depicting exactly what he had seen that day. Now, the interesting thing is that not only did the English society end up confiscating the two films Jarl had created and would declare them as classified, the English society, along with his colleagues, were all in agreement, I'm assuming after he made the films, that he hadn't, he was nothing more than a victim of mass psychosis. Um, do you know how rare that is to have mass psychosis yeah it, it's pretty fucking rare it's it's one of those deals like anything else swamp gas drones just an excuse yeah just come up with any the most likely excuse and then claim it's that right it's just kind of like a i i don't it's a catch I don't, all yeah i mean like you said who knows what flowers these monks put in their tea that day I don't know. Maybe it was like a um, a fancy trick. Like maybe they, maybe it was just like a spectacle trick they had. Um, like maybe there was actually like strings attached, or I, you know what I mean. I don't really know, but um, it's just kind of uh, it's hard to say that or Doctor Y'all's lying. One of the two. Yeah, that's also a very likely possibility. I mean, there there's a lot of stories about people going off to these foreign lands and claiming to see you know wild practices and you know insane things involving like their gods and their tribe and that kind of stuff so i imagine he i mean he made you said he made two films were they recreations or there were they like documentaries they were they were like my understanding is they were basically recreations of what he had seen like he wasn't actually doing it but he was yeah. showing how they all lined up mathematically and what happened, how the stone lifted up and all that shit. So okay. it, it, I guess the dramatization, is that the best way to put it? I don't know. But, uh, but yeah. It reminds me of like a true crime show. Yeah. Like yeah, basically. Having actors set in for the real people. and Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing is um, people have a lot of his like, he drew like sketches in like the mathematical aspect of it, of how this happened. Um, so you can actually physically look at that, that he, he wrote up, but, uh, okay. again, it's kind of looks like a bunch of chicken scratch. Uh, but yeah, the thing is like Tibetan monks for like how they live their lifestyle and like their insane discipline and willpower and all that, you know, um, there's mm -hmm. always a lot of talked about mystical things they can do. Um, and things like that. And even in their belief system, I think some of that stuff's ingrained. So I don't know if maybe in this year people were just obsessed with like the secrets of the Tibetan monks. I don't really know. Yeah, it. I mean, there are there are documented things where the Tibetan monks can actually change their body temperature. There was it was like a documentary I had seen where it was a Tibetan monk sitting in the snow and all of a sudden he was meditating and then he started steaming and the snow around him started melting in a circle around him. There's also the ability to withstand pain. There's the famous instance, the Vietnam War protest in South – or it wasn't the Vietnam War protest. It was um, the the dictator of South Vietnam at the time and there was the the monk that had set himself on fire, like the – the outstanding ability to withstand pain. So there oh, are yeah. things that they can do, like that seem like magical. They're more mind over ma mind over body type um, abilities. You would call, I guess. You remember the Iceman? Yes, yeah, he was yeah the Iceman that we talked about. He was kind of, I guess, into that. Although I don't want to give him credit because he's a huckster, but uh, a charlatan, yeah, charlatan, I should say. Yeah, because I think he can do those things. He's just trying to make money off of it, a lot of it. Um, but yeah, like the, the monk who started to melt the snow, I mean, 
clearly he could access his like regulatory system and heat heat up his body or whatever. Yeah. I mean, who knows? He might have had fucking little heat coils in his pants or something too. I mean, it that might have been <laughs> fake also. You can't that's the one thing about like it's a religion. They're, you know, I mean, they have this image of being like pure. But how many other religions try to obtain that same kind of like pure the essence of being this almost like an above human like there's you know there's human there's god and then there's like somewhere in between where they're trying to like go to the next level so you would automatically think oh these people wouldn't lie you know but i'm so and human humans who have something to gain from this even if it's notoriety or recognition they're still trying to gain something so that's a very valid point phil i love that um now Let's get into the nitty gritty here. Did Dr. Jarl actually witness these Tibetan monks lifting the stones via acoustic levitation or did he make it all up? Additionally, is there any possible way that modern day humans are able to harness this power in some facet? Now, we have all seen the effects of sounds messing with objects. Uh, Prime examples could be when doctors use ultrasound machines to pulverize kidney stones, that's a great use of it. Or when those annoying kids drive by your house with subs and it (laughs) rattles your fucking windows and such. Gotta hate. You know what? I shouldn't be hating because... You you used to be one of those kids. I used to. I get it. It's fun to be annoying. um, But goddamn, now as an older man, I kind of hate it when it's like two in the morning and these motherfuckers are blaring their subs. Fucking $2,500 car with a $5,000 sound system in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you see them all, you see them all over the place out here. But in the, in that case, it's a, usually a truck. They've got a cheap, shitty used truck and a $5,000 sound system. That's great. Like you, you think it's going to break the glass in your fucking car. Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand that. I hate the feeling of um, like where your hair's rattling. When you're in the car, yeah. I fucking hate that. Uh, but but yeah, it's I lo- I did like the subs for like the uh, feels like you can feel the music. But yeah, it's gets a little annoying at some point. But mm-hmm. the but the thing is, all of those. Uh, I guess the ultrasound machine's kind of a special one. But as far as like feeling the noise right with subs, um, that's not a big deal. You know, rattling things, whatever. Anybody can do that. The trouble is moving a liquid solid or gas is much more uh, with sound is much more comf- is much more complicated, specifically moving it in a direction that you actually want it to go. That's the hard part, moving yep. it in a direction that you want it to go, because obviously it can just fucking shoot wherever the hell it wants. They certainly do have sound levitation devices but on a much smaller scale, which basically consists of two main parts. A transducer, which is the vibrating surface that makes the sound, and a reflector. The transducer and the reflector have concave surfaces to help focus the sound. A sound wave travels away from the transducer and bounces off of the reflector apparently reaching the correct frequency to allow an object to hover requires producing a sound of 150 decibels or louder, which is harmful to human ears. As an example, a normal conversation, say the one between you and I, is about 60 decibels, and a loud-ass nightclub, okay, is about 110 decibels. How many concerts have you been to or even a bar or a nightclub or whatever and your fucking ears ring when you get out of there? Or you get stuck by the big fucking speakers yeah. at, a, at a concert. That was uh, at Slipknot concert. I was I, I ended up kind of getting pushed back because everyone was pushing forward and I ended up near those big speakers and had to basically move away from it. It was so loud. But there were people who wanted to be that close to it. Their their hearing was probably gone by now. But <laughs> honestly, though, if we're being real here, Phil, 
Um, I can tell you for certain, outside of my previous hearing problems, from working in like a shop for so long, mm-hmm. all the air guns and the tools and all that, I can tell you, I can almost guarantee that's harmed my hearing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have to wear ear pro pretty much every single day for a lot of the stuff I use because of air guns and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. But but this is the inter- what I think is really interesting about um, decibels is if a normal conversation between two people is allegedly 60 decibels, right? Mm-hmm. And j- only jumping up an additional 50 is a loud nightclub. And you have to go up an additional uh, 40 from that just to make this object hover. And the frequency, the 150 decibels is going to hurt your fucking ears. Like decibels, the noises go up really fast, you know, or like Mm -hmm. small amounts increase the volume like a shit ton. And we'll be going through like um, a lot more uh, decibels uh, here in a minute as well. So it's pretty straightforward. I guess you could watch videos of uh, of them doing this with the transducer and the reflector. The, The thing is, though, they can't lift very much right now and not to mention all they can do is hover there they cannot move it it can only hover there um so how the fuck were these monks able to if this actually happened able to kind of shoot this rock up onto a cliff that's kind of the um big mystery here yeah you would think for those monks moving a rock i could see if they had some kind of device that was also on wheels and they blasted the sound and then moved along with the cart to move this gigantic rock or something right. like that. I could see that, but not standing still, directing the sound underneath it, and then it just kind of hovers over. You know, that's yeah, a really hard thing to... Because if you got to think of it's like having like magnets, you know. If yeah. you have a magnet with the opposite holes it'll it'll jump up in the air but if you move it off of that bottom magnet it'll just float over you can see the field at that point but it'll just float over and drop down to the ground once there isn't anything underneath it pushing it up anymore right so yeah right yeah i don't it's just such a weird i hate to you know call someone a liar or whatever because this is honestly like if you really saw this it'd be badass but uh it's as far as we our understanding goes, and we're going to go even more into the understanding here, um, it just doesn't seem feasible. Yeah. Now, I kind of want to get into how far has human technology took, took us in, I guess, this a- aspect of moving objects via sound waves or whatever. Now, as far as I could find, in 2016 scientists were finally able to lift a much larger item using sound. The interesting thing is they were using ultrasound waves this time. Now, I don't, my understanding is ultrasound waves are a lot more concentrated, so Mm -hmm. maybe they're a lot more powerful. I don't really understand that much about ultrasound waves versus whatever they were using before. Regular sound waves. Yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, so basically, um, how they're doing it this, this time is if you can imagine three transducers lined up in a triangular pattern. Now, essentially what they look like, um, since you're a car guy, they look like a piston valve almost, um, just really, really tiny, but they're kind of like pointed in that direction so they can make something hover. So, but even after that breakthrough, the largest thing they were able to lift, at least with this thing, was a large polystern foam ball that was three times larger than the ultrasonic waves that were holding it up. Now, what this is, it might sound fancy, but essentially it's a fucking styrofoam ball. <laughs> it's a Nerf ball that we used to play dodgeball <laughs> yeah. with, basically. <laughs> like, those don't weigh anything. And this is yeah. as far... This is like, I mean, granted, maybe they could make something on a larger scale, but as far as the technology that they have messed with um, in the current day, like the goddamn Nerf ball is the biggest thing they can pick up right now. 
Yeah, they could do a lot better. Like I was talking about with magnets before. They could do a shit ton better just with magnets. It's you can lift you can lift anything if you got strong enough magnets underneath it. Just you can lift a fucking like monorail trains, you know, the the maglifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yep. I forgot about that. But uh I don't maybe the maybe you're right. Maybe they just don't see um value in investing in like sound levitation technology yeah i mean it sounds like they're kind of like you're saying right now this is the best they can do they could probably make it bigger on a larger scale in the future it's just one of those things like they're on the doorstep right now yeah but right i mean at this moment it's not feasible to move anything larger than a fucking egg you know, it's <laughs> it's just one of those things. Well, here's the other thing. Like you said, magnets can could theoretically make things float easier as well as they don't require electricity necessarily, right? Um the, well, the go ahead. So there's oh, I was gonna say, so there's like the most powerful magnets are actually just like pieces of metal with um electrified coils wrapped around them also they can freeze magnets in liquid nitrogen to make them more powerful that's like if you remember they had the magnetic uh they had the floating skateboard i think a year or two back and everyone was gonna like everyone got it all excited until they found out that underneath the wood was actually magnets that's the way that this thing was floating so everyone got excited because it looked like it was just a, a board floating on wood but it wasn't really, it was underneath was magnets. So yeah, if you freeze it in liquid nitrogen, it can lift a person and, you know. Have you ever heard um, what the two prophets known as Insane Clown Posse has said about magnets? In their uh, Legion of Juggalo fans. Yeah. What what did they say about magnets? Uh, One of their songs literally, I think is called Magnets. And it says their main like chorus is fucking magnets. How do they work? Yeah, that's uh, uh, <laughs> the poetic genius of the insane clown posse. Dude. Also, very astute professional wrestlers. They're still at it to this day. Are they? Yep. Did you see when one of them tried to drop kick uh, for a nurse at the concert? Was that last <laughs> year or is that two years ago? I don't know. That shit was funny. Oh, I don't remember. But yeah. Uh, okay. Now I want to get into a little very confusing math here. All right. Now... All of the following figures I'm about to say are not confirmed by any matter, but I found a website and it had like a insane amount of math equation. So I'm going to give him a little credit. It makes, at least he made himself seem very smart. And I'm sure okay. he is honestly, because a lot of this stuff does make sense. Uh, they claim that if one was going to achieve reaching the levels of decibels needed to lift certain objects, Uh, They were going to need to work on some things because the loudest ever concert on record, okay, on record, is Mm -hmm. measured at 139 decibels. Remember, it had to be 150 to lift, like, I think it was like a tiny, it's like a raindrop-sized item um, that their original technology was. The loudest ever sporting event was at a 2014 Kansas City Chiefs game, rip, uh, which holds the record at 142.2 decibels. Wow, that's uh, yeah. that's pretty loud. Yep. And the loudest ever loudspeaker is recorded at 165 decibels. Now, keep in mind, your ears are going to start hurting between 140 and 160 decibels. Anything above that, I'm I pretty sure means permanent damage. But uh, but yeah. So and obviously, what, go ahead. One quick question: What did Roseanne Barr? What did oh she measure God. in at? Ro- <laughs> it's gotta be it's gotta be somewhere between that 155 and 160 because I'm pretty sure well, she's busted out a lot of eardrums in her life. <laughs> Well, she starts out at about 120. Then every <laughs> every sequential time she drops an end bomb, uh, it, it increases by five decibels. So, um, do you remember all her tweets, her racist oh, tweets? <laughs> after after about three Ambien and about six uh, yeah. vodka Red Bulls, 
she she starts getting in the one seventies. Yeah, I just oh my god, is that what she blamed her racist rants on? Ambien. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm pretty sure you actually felt like that, uh, Rose. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> I know what was underneath. Yeah. She had one stipulation for bringing Roseanne back. It says, no bl- black people? Roseanne, what what is this about? <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, now it's just called the Connors, isn't it? Yeah, because nobody, they dropped the show because yeah, of the, the Ambien. Yeah, nobody watches it now. I don't believe I've never seen it, although I never really watched the old one either. Yeah, Darlene's the show now, and I, I, don't, I don't have TV, so I don't know. <laughs> All right. Now, according to the math wizard on the website I got this from, in addition to just the sound levels required to lift heavy objects, you also need additional power generated in the form of watts. Also, you need to figure in the shape of the object um, that you'll be lifting and its ability to reflect the sound as well. For example, to lift a frog, a little frog, you would need at least 165 decibels. And, okay, he puts this as um, 61.24 watts of power. I don't really understand how he's getting, like, the watts of power math aspect of it, but um, I'm not... Do you have any idea? No, I, I don't know. I don't know what he means by watts of power, being used i thought this was like just the sound does he mean like watts of power going through the the reflectors or the transducer no no oh okay i i forgot now i'm I'm trying to um i'm gonna put this as best as i can i think this is like a very big physics thing it's the watts of power needed to work against gravity that's what it was so the amount of force or energy needed essentially to work against gravity to basically eradicate the the gravitational forces to be able to lift something up. Okay. Is gotcha. essentially okay, yeah, that's what it is. Now how you get it, I don't know. But that's what he's saying. To lift according to him, to lift a human, you would need at least 179 decibels. And this is his math equation, by the way. Uh, 1.766 E plus 05 watts of power. I, again, no idea what that means. Uh, a car would be 177 decibels and 3.278 E plus 06 watts of power. Uh, a piece of stone at the pyramids would be 187 decibels and 8.032 E plus 06 watts of power. Again, no idea. Uh, in compare, oh, so the plus oh six is how many decibels you move the. So it's eight point zero three two, and then you're gonna take it like six decibel places back. So it's many like um eight hundred thousand. Oh, okay. So yeah. you need a lot. You need a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah. almost eight million actually, because it's six spots. So yeah. Okay. Now my. I think his mathematic things are going off before they lifted the Nerf ball with the ultrasound. Um, So basically what he's saying is the heaviest thing they've ever lifted via sound uh, was a four millimeter spherical object, which is tiny. It it requires 143 decibels and 0.002531 watts of power. So we got a long... A long ways to go before you're lifting fucking boulders onto a goddamn cliffside. Um, so, so it sounds like he's actually just taking what we know we can lift, which is the four millimeter spherical object, and he's taking like probably has a whole equation set up that increases the decibels for the size and the mass yeah. and the wattage for the size and the mass. So he's probably just taking all of that and then amplifying what you would need for an object that's as large as a frog or a human or a car or a piece of stone from the pyramids right so just an ascending scale basically yeah what he's working off of like the only way i even could slightly understand what the watts was was uh 
he had like a breakdown of just that little equation to figure out the watts of power yeah. or how to measure it. And it seemed like it's some, I'm assuming it's like something they use with like rocket science and such, how the thrust is needed to basically eliminate any sort of gravitational pull. Like you're kind of okay. like taking that out of the equation. So it's not electricity he's talking about. No. It's more like work. Yeah, like force kind of. Like a unit like, of measure for. Yeah, it, it's okay, like a, gotcha. it's yeah. like it, it, it kind of seemed like energy exerted in the form of wattage power or something like that. Basically, how much ever power you need to work against gravity. If you yep. believe in gravity, which we know uh, a certain sect of individuals do not. Yeah, flat earth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> read, a, read a book, all right? Uh, this is interesting here. Uh, apparently, even the sound produced from the most powerful explosions, which include literal volcanic eruptions, is still not enough to lift a large object. So, like we said, I don't really think... In our lifetime, I would assume we won't ever actually see them harness the power of sonic levitation because I'm starting to, because of Phil convinced me, I think there's other ways to achieve levitation outside of just sound um, in a more efficient way. That's kind of my belief system. Do you think Dr. Jarl actually witnessed something or do you think it was either a trick, he had a few too many beers, or what do you think happened? Here's kind of what I kind of I'm thinking about like what a normal human. And I mean, we're talking about every person in that group was just a normal human, no matter if they claim to be some renowned scientist or Buddhist monk. They're all just meatbags, just like the rest of us. They all have fucking their own faults. So I think that they directed all that sound underneath a stone and it jiggled and it moved. And he I don't know if he was talking to people about this back home and they either weren't impressed or they didn't believe him. So maybe just like everyone does, he exaggerated a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more until it got to something where it got a reaction. Not only did it jiggle the rock, but the rock actually jumped up. And then the next person, oh, the rock actually levitated. The next person, he makes this grand story about the rock levitating, you know, 250 feet up and over perfectly you know there was a reason why they were doing this right you know so well, i mean honestly i'm who knows he might have had they might have had some psychedelic fucking some ayahuasca type drink <laughs> that they all took beforehand and he saw some shit you know he there might not have even been he might have been out in the fucking wilderness alone fucking buck naked just imagining all this fucking bullshit while the monks were doing their butt stuff back at the monastery <laughs> so really i mean if I had to, if I had to put my, if I had to put my big guess on it, I would say exaggeration met with pride, probably. Right. Well, how about this? Um, he was out at the bar. He's out at the pub. He's trying to mm -hmm. impress a lass, and he he told her this fantastical story to try to get her on a on a date or get laid or something. Maybe that's what happened. Yep, and his boys were there his scientific yeah. posse and they mm -hmm. stamped him down uh -huh. like not good friends. A good friend would have went along with the fucking story, but no, not those. Uh, and they were English too. So probably, could it probably be not very nice. Okay. Could it be possible? He was in the meadow and the cool Tibetan monk pulled up in his yacht, his yacht, he, or his, his yak. yak. <laughs> he pulled All up tricked in, out. Yeah. He's it, tricked out. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, he pulled up in his yak with his, uh, three 15-inch subs bumping, and he, he moved that rock a little, and Mr. Jarl was just blown away by it. Yeah, could have been. <laughs> All, I mean, <laughs> who knows? I mean, it's it would be, it'd be a real interesting thing if they had actual video of it. I mean, I realized the technology at the time to get a camera out to the middle of fucking nowhere and that Tibetan monks wouldn't allow you to bring a camera out there anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do the Tibetan monks, do they still claim this ability? Uh, I didn't think? see anything. I didn't see didn't anything. See any you like, I hate to say it, but they couldn't really hide any of that now if they actually had that ability. Yeah. The problem is too, 
um, post-World War II, after the Chinese communist takeover. So the Chinese took over the country of Tibet, which is basically like all of Western China. Uh, a large Tibet used to be a very large, you know, kind of area in between like north of India and west of China. A lot of the Tibetan mo- monasteries were actually like burned down. All of their, you know, all of their artifacts were stolen away. What they couldn't smuggle out of the country of Tibet, which became China, basically fell into the hands of the communist Chinese. Oh, so that's too bad. it's um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is possible that whatever monastery this was got lost to, you know, basically Just, communism. Uh, to Mao, the, yeah. To the yeah, to Mao, basically the authoritarian government. But I mean, really, it's one of those deals where it's an adventurer telling a fantastic tale. That's kind of where I put my money down at. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with you, honestly. Um, I saw this on like, you know, Instagram, people post their little memes, their myths and legend memes. Sometimes I, I see one that's kind of interesting and I'm like, you know what? I should look into this. And that's one of my favorite aspects of sub D is we, we don't feed our own narrative because it's fun. We just want to find out if this is bullshit or truth. And once we kind of, uh, lay over the realistic scientific, possibilities of it um there's pretty much no chance in hell that dr yarl was telling the truth in this matter yeah especially when you look at uh the recorded decibels of the loudest ever rock concert the loudest ever teenager with a car you know what i mean yeah and then what what is needed to lift the what like the the pyramids is a huge story where they claim that sonic decibel or sound waves or whatnot uh, were actually used to move these large stones and then you see it right there how many like how much sound decibels and how much work would actually be needed to lift that large ass stone off of the ground it's like yeah you, i don't know about you, that you'd have to have like literally a concentrated volcano sound in a can that you're like shooting at it with all this force, and it's just like, I don't... Not to mention, you'd probably blow out every single person's eardrums within a vicinity just to oh, try yeah. to do... Just to try to wiggle. Isn't one of them stones, like, um, two tons oh. or something? Oh, they're in the... They're multiple tons. Oh, yeah. yeah. Some of those stones are... Yeah, I think... I'm trying to remember from when we did our Egypt episode, but those... Those stones are, I think like one of them was like 20 tons or something like that. Like some crazy, like the bigger ones yeah. at the bottom were some crazy number of just huge amounts of weight that would need to be moved. Yeah, I don't even think David Batista could lift that bad boy up. No, he could never get the Batista bomb. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, I just, uh, we want to do a shout out here. Thank, thank you so much to all our patrons. We've uh, had some new people joining in. I hope you're enjoying all the off the record episodes. We hopefully Phil and I will get another one of those recorded this week. It's uh, kind of been a chaotic last week. We're going to get in there, but uh, thank you to everybody who joined our Patreon. If you are interested in joining our Patreon, all you have to do is go on, log on to patreon.com slash subliminal deception. If you don't even try to use the search bar, by the way, we won't show up because of explicit content. Um, if you are having trouble finding it with the web address, simply go to our website, subliminaldeception.com. There's a direct link. One click takes you right to the Patreon. Sign up at any level and enjoy your rewards. If uh, people want to contact us, if the Tibetan monks want to email us and let us know we're wrong, where can they do that? Well, if they want to go ahead and break their vow of silence to take us down, they can hit us up on our email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from everybody. Uh, got some great emails in the past couple of weeks, so thank you for those. Also, best way to get a hold of us would be our Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. Uh, we check that multiple times a day, both Cody and I. Uh, also, love hearing from everybody. Uh, thanks for all of the likes and the comments from our last few episodes. Those were great. Uh, Cody and I both have our own personal Instagrams. Mine is sdpodphil. Uh, Cody, you got one? 
Yeah, follow my personal Instagram at Cody Zabub. Um, I want to put a shout out there to any true Tibetan monks. Uh, I know it's required for you to ascend to a Dalai Lama. You must leave subliminal deception a five-star review. So if you have not yet and you have aspirations of becoming the Dalai Lama in another lifetime, make sure you leave subliminal deception a five-star review on iTunes. And if you're a Spotify user, just hit that follow button. That's an easier way to get uh, to the title of Dalai Lama. Otherwise, thank you guys so much for listening. Please don't come to our houses and rip our hearts out and eat it. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.